Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, uh, and Jerry's over there. So let's just call this Stuff You Should Know, shall we? I, hey, that's a good name for a show. Yeah. You know? I came up with that. You did. You're the inventor. And from that was hatched all of the Stuff Podcasts. Yeah, but, I mean, how stuff works, stuff. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know. I think you're not, you're selling yourself short. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so this is another one of our movie-centric podcasts that people seem to love. Um, we've done all kinds of things from exploitation films to movies that change filmmaking to how, uh, films are rated. That yeah, the NPAA. NPAA. How TV ratings work. Yeah. Ten exploitation films. Yeah, that was a good one. And some movies that changed filmmaking. That's right. All the stuff you just said. Yeah. Before we get going here, buddy, we need a blanket spoiler because we're going to be talking about movies that had their endings changed. And uh, so this is your fair warning. Most of them are old movies. Most of this information is out there, of right. course. Yes. But um, if you're one of those uh, people who gets really upset by this kind of thing, you may want to... Um, you've been warned. You've been warned. Uh, and now... Drum roll. We're going to talk about audience testing, which is depending on the filmmaker and the film uh-huh. uh, can be a really super awesome, valuable tool. Right. It can also be like okay, a terrible, <laughs> the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Yep. And apparently, even if you believe in the system, it's a terrible experience, says Ron Howard. Yeah, he's he's a, a famous, well, not famous for, but he um, is on record uh, along with his producing partner Brian Grazer for who by the way do you know this about Brian Grazer best hair in show business well clearly yeah but he has the habit of taking framed pictures of himself over to people's houses and when they're not looking Does he, he like that? plants them among their family photos that's pretty awesome pretty cool that reminds me I know you hate George Clooney's guts but there's I a, never uh, said that <laughs> there's a famous uh, uh, he's a big practical joker and he oh, yeah. he prepared this one over the course of like a year supposedly told like his best friends that he had taken up painting. Oh yeah, I've heard that. And just kept that going and going and then like gave some of his close friends these awful, awful paintings. Right. And you know, you're kind of expected to hang it up. Right. <laughs> you're like, oh, thanks, George. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. This is great. Um I'll bet he felt so good about himself after that. <laughs> so glib. <laughs> uh so Ron Howard and his producing partner Brian Greitzer uh are on record as saying that they really can get a lot out of it and like what they would hate is to put a movie out and find out there's something they re- really easily could have corrected yeah. and either like confused or upset an, o- an audience as a whole right but he also said it's terrible to go through yeah like even when it's a good ex- a good experience is never a good experience and that's um somebody who believes in the system some yeah. if you don't believe in the system and you still have to go through it like robert altman did He's not a test audience kind of guy. No. Can you imagine putting him through that? No. That's like letting all of the town's ladies bring Boo Radley that, the pies for killing Bob Yule. You yeah. know? Yeah. You can't put Robert Altman through a, the audience testing system. Who did that? Oh, no, I don't know. A dummy. Cause, uh, yeah, he, he was, he was a maverick filmmaker. My brother and my, uh, uh, Emily worked on movies with him. Mm-hmm. It's pretty neat. Legend. I know. It's good stuff. I wish I could tell a couple of the stories, but... But, I mean, what, did you expect to get rich off of a Robert Altman movie? No. I don't, I don't I, know. Apparently, these people did. 
I wonder what his top grossing movie ever was. Probably The Player. Or MASH. I'll bet it was MASH. Yeah, movies didn't gross that much back then. Though. Yeah, but it's, Adjusted per- it's a perennial classic. Yeah, that's true. The Player was great. Yeah, I mean, he's he's made a lot of great movies and some kind of stinkers as well. Oh, yeah. But um, a lot of classics. Like Na- uh, Nashville. You ever seen Nashville? No, I never saw Nashville. Oh, man, so good. I saw The Player. Shortcuts. So Shortcuts. Yeah. Um, didn't see the uh, the Lake Wobegon one with Lindsay Lohan for some reason. What? Yeah, they did a they oh, did, did he do Prairie Home Companion? Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. With Lindsay Lohan. That's just weird. And... Um, Meryl Streep. Huh. It was like not a good idea. Let's get a casting director super drunk. Yeah, right. and just have him point out photos, headshots, <laughs> right. and then that's how we'll cast this. Uh, and then McCabe and Miss Miller. That's a classic as well. Never even heard of it. Warren Beatty. Liked Mash though. That was a good one. It was. Um. So Ron Howard calls the process <laughs> brutal and hideous. Yeah. He said even if it's going well, it's not fun. Yeah. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola is somewhat responsible, although they have tested movies all the way back in the 30s. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, when audiences said, you know that Somewhere Over the Rainbow song? Really slows things down. It's a stinker. (laughs) Get it out of there. (laughs) Thank goodness they didn't listen, because that became one of the most iconic uh, singing performances ever in a movie. Yeah, and apparently pointing that out is a really good way to talk somebody out of cutting something that a test audience Remember Wizard of Oz? Yeah. (laughs) Think about somewhere over the rainbow, chief. So uh, when Coppola was making Apocalypse Now, he um, had focus groups. And, really? Yeah. Would not have guessed that. Well, he, that movie, you've seen The Hearts of Darkness, right? No, the, the documentary about it? Yeah. No. It's really good. He had a lot of studio heat coming down on him. You know you've got a great movie when the documentary about your great movie is a great movie. Yeah, that's a good point. It's really good. I think his wife made that. Although that's not necessarily true. The best worst movie was a great documentary, and Trolls 2 was not a good movie in any way, shape, or form. I've never heard of best worst movie. It's about, have you ever heard of Trolls 2? Uh, I've heard of Trolls, so I guess I've heard of Trolls 2. Apparently made by totally different filmmakers, completely unconnected story-wise and everything. This is just Trolls 2. Gotcha. And this documentary caught up with the people from Trolls 2 because it became like kind of this cool hipster thing to like, look at how terrible this movie is. Yeah, yeah. Like The Room. Sure. Um, and the, the, this documentary kind of followed this movement and went and found the people who were in this movie who had no idea this was going on and then like basically puts them on the road going around promoting showings of Trolls 2 and just living it up. So it's a pretty that was great documentary. Oh, the documentary is good. The movie wasn't good. Right. Okay. So I ate my own words. Understood. No, you didn't. But I think uh, one of your pals from UCB is in it. In Trolls 2? In the best worst movie. Who? The documentary. Do you know? Uh, oh, man. One of the founders? No. Not Matt Besser? It might Matt be. Walsh? Yes, it might be Matt Besser. Besser? Maybe. I don't know. One of the guys from you. There's like a bunch of UCB people in it. <laughs> yeah, but okay, I got you. Besser was one of the founding members, though, with Amy Poehler and uh, Ian Roberts and Matt Walsh. This may be Matt Walsh is the one that was in old school, right? Yeah. So this is the other Matt. Yeah, I think Besser. he might be in it. Yeah, he's a good guy. He listens to our show. Prove me wrong, Matt. Prove me wrong. Go uh, Razorbacks. That's for him. He's an Arkansas fan, or he just really he, likes Razorbacks. No, he's an Arkansas guy. Gotcha. Yeah, he's just a fan of the pig. <laughs> <laughs> Are we at an ad break yet? 
Not yet. Not until I finish the story about Coppola. Um, he, when he was making Apocalypse Now, hired a man named Joe Farrell or Farrell to help with marketing. And Farrell said, you know what? I see a pretty big opportunity here. Mm-hmm. And so he partnered up with Catherine, uh, Catherine Para and formed the National Research Group. Um, I don't know. I don't think they're still exclusive, but at the time signed all the studios to an exclusive contract to do their audience testing. And I think they're still the top dog uh, in audience testing, even though I think there are other companies that do it now. This is the company with the extraordinarily secretive name NRG, the National Research Group. Yeah. And they also do like contract hits, I think, for the (laughs) CIA and the NSA. No, but they don't have a website that I could find. Like I was trying to just get a little information about the company. But so they're a division of Nielsen. Well, which... Of course, they're super secretive. We already talked they about are. that. They are. But, uh, yeah, so uh, it's crazy. Like this. It's, it's like a cabal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Very much so. Randy Quaid was right. <laughs> he might be. Uh, and they don't just do audience testing. They also, uh, back when people had telephones, would do a lot of um, just random calling and saying, like, market research. Like, did you know this movie was coming out? Um, it's called awareness. Yeah, awareness campaigns. And stuff like that. And then they, they'd split you into four quadrants, right? Which is the four quadrants that everyone on the planet is divided into. <laughs> uh, men under 25, men over 25, women under 25, and women over 25. That's right. And That's it. Doesn't there's, matter. there's the, the division of importance at age 25. <laughs> you cross over <laughs> and get put out to pasture, basically. All right. So that's a, the longest setup in history. So wait a minute. I want to make sure I understand what you're saying because uh-huh. I, I made a lot of jokes in in the middle of all this. They were flying. But you're saying that NRG, the National Research Group, um, came out of focus groups done for Apocalypse Now. Yes, that's the way I understand it. Wow. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, but they were already doing focus groups, but this company really ran with it, I think, and cornered the industry. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right, so let's take that promised break, and uh, we'll talk more about audience testing right after this. All right, back with audience testing. Um, There's many different reasons to test your movie. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes if it's a comedy, they will literally do multiple screenings just to test little bits and little jokes. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Like if you're testing a comedy, totally makes sense because a couple of comedy writers that you put into like a, a room and say, write this hilarious movie or take this dog of a movie and punch it up with some jokes. It's very subjective. It might sound funny to you. Sure. But then a, a, you're a movie executive and you had like a three scotch lunch. So everything seems kind of funny right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's the 1960s. Right. So I get I get that. And then like this joke landed. This joke didn't. This joke was too far. Mm-hmm. And it like went against like what the what the character we've developed so far. That and that to me makes sense. Yeah, like I see audience testing to that end for sure. You see the value. But if it's like, should this explosion be seventy percent more explosive? Well, or I'm- should this guy's <laughs> brain splatter like more or less? Well, the, with the violence, you, you have a point. They that is something they will also test for it. At like, are you turned off by the amount of violence? Could we dial it back a little bit? Yeah. What was the movie that was given an example in this article of of something that was Found to be too violent. Goodfellas? 
Yes. Yeah. That was in a Mental Floss article, right? Yeah. Yeah, Goodfellas, uh, the audience, like he had, and that was the first movie Scorsese had ever tested. Yeah. And, um. Yeah, that's another guy I don't see like testing stuff. I'm really surprised about Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Well, like I said, it was studio heat. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, Scorsese, I think like 40 or 50 people walked out in the first 10 minutes because of the violence. (laughs) Yeah. And they said that they didn't like that third, uh, act where, you know, just they thought it was too intense. You and, know, and apparently very drawn out, way more drawn out than it even is now. Yeah, they thought the ending of Goodfellas was too intense. Right. And again, very drawn out. So he went to a quick cut montage thing. Yeah. Which actually ended up making it better because Henry Hill is like coked to the gills at this point. Sure. And like that whole thing where like he's looking, driving, watching the helicopter that's following him. Yeah. Um, and it's like chop, chop, chop. Mm-hmm. It, it really gets the point across. Yeah, it was, it was very effective. So, so it worked in that case, I think. Yes. Right? The system works. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> it worked in that case. Right. Um, so how these things work is uh, if you live in the Los Angeles area and you go to the mall or if you're even in a movie line, yeah. you've probably been approached or seen the people with clipboards. Um, don't run away because they're not trying to sell you something. They're trying to give you something, which is a free screening. That's true. And they'll come and sign you up. They'll ask if you're interested. Hey, we got a new uh, Owen Wilson movie that we're screening in Burbank next Friday night. And everybody starts murmuring, oh, Owen Wilson. <laughs> oh, I love Owen Wilson. He's a national treasure. <laughs> and right. everybody starts signing up. What's with the nose? Um, <laughs> he got it broken when he was younger. It looks like more than once. <laughs> yeah. I like that he didn't fix it, though. Yeah, he was a smart aleck. That thing is just like... So crooked, and he's just like, yep, this is me. He said he always expected to do something like go into advertising or whatever, but if you're a buddy of Wes Anderson's from a young age, yeah. you're going into movies. Sorry. I'm a big fan of him and his nose. Yeah. So um, you're going to get approached, like I said, uh, probably in L.A., but they do test all over the country because we've talked about will it play in Peoria. Yeah. Sometimes they want to go to Ohio and see what, you know, someone outside of the L.A. area feels about the movie. Right, but the reason that your chances are vastly higher of being asked to be in a test audience for a movie in Los Angeles is because a lot of times the people working on the movie who live in Los Angeles have to attend these things. Yeah. Because not only do they want to... um, they, they they want to get the feedback from it, which we'll find out about. They also want to experience it firsthand. Sure. So they get a real feel for how the audience is, is responding. Yeah. And uh, if you're 18 to 34, you're more likely to get approached because that's the sweet spot, of course, that you talked about. Yeah. If you're older than that, then forget it. No one cares about you. No one cares about your Just opinion. give up all of your <laughs> dreams and work and yep. smoke a pipe. Be quiet. That's right. Um, if you are an assistant editor or an, any part of the editing crew, um, it's going to be a bit of a hellish experience because you're going to be scrambling, yeah. trying to temp in music and temp in uh, special effects, like some really hackneyed version of special effects, right. just so they know, like, in this scene, it's going to be a spaceship. Right. And the, the editor's like, well, can I just cut to this stock quick, quick time <laughs> footage of a spaceship landing and get the point across? And they're like, sure. So they're going to be scrambling, trying to put together as much of a finished project as they can. Um, and most of the times they will also be at the theater. They're going to queue it up and watch it just to make sure it's ready to roll. Yeah. Before the audience sees it. You're going to have a moderator? You ever been to a test screening? No, have you? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's neat. What? 
I don't remember. Wow, it must not have been a very good movie. No, it was a long time ago. Um, Nine to five. Yeah, that was it. I love that movie. It wasn't. I did watch that the other night, though, in full. That's that so was good. That was one of the songs that I sang at piano karaoke. Nine to five? Nine to five. Oh, a couple a of Dolly songs tune. sang that. You mean I sang Islands in the Stream? Oh, well. Did she do the Kenny Rogers part and you did the Dolly part? We switched it up a little, <laughs> okay. yeah. But um, no, nine to five is a very hard song to sing, by the way. And that movie holds up, man. It's still very funny. Yeah. The great Dabney Coleman. Great Lily Tomlin. Mm-hmm. The great Dolly Parton. The great Jane Fonda. The the great Jane Fonda. So good. And you know the three of them, like, it was just a great shoot. They were best buds, and they remained friends yeah. all, all these years later. You can tell. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Uh, all right. So where was I? Oh, yeah. Someone's going to introduce the movie, and they're going to get you all excited. And, like, everyone's glad to be here seeing Owen Wilson's new movie. Right. Um, Everybody reach under your seat for some free <laughs> red vines. Yeah. Yeah, you might get a little free something. You never know. Uh, and they're going to explain, like, what you're about to see is going to be a little rough in parts, and the effects aren't complete, so just don't take that into account. Right. They're, they're not looking for, like, no. whoa, <laughs> maybe you should color correct it a little more before you release it. They're yeah. aware of that part. Um, I think you're supposed to take the green screen out of the shot. <laughs> right. What they're looking for is pacing. They want to know you as, like, a, an audience member is keeping up with the movie and how it's how it is going, right? Yeah, you're going to... Well, you're going to watch the movie just as cleanly as possible, and then you're going to have to fill out comment cards. Yeah. And um, they're pretty standard, but they can tailor it for the movie. Like, um, if, like, let's say you think there's a problem with one of the characters, they might specifically say, like, what do you think about the Luke Wilson character? Too much? Too little? He's, he's no Owen Wilson. <laughs> uh, they might ask too your favorite much, parts. <laughs> your least favorite parts. Yeah. Um, how was it, how did it flow? Did anything stand out to you? Is like like could you follow it the whole time? Yeah. Did it make sense? That's, what, that's a good one, right? What did you think of the jokes? Yeah. What did you think of the jokes? They they drill down. They try and get as specific as they can. And these are just the comment cards. Yeah. Supposedly, if you're in the 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 demographic that they're shooting for in release, and you're at this thing as you're trying to leave, they might come up to you and be like, hey. Like, yeah, this is just kind of the schlubby, like, audience. You want to be part of a real focus group? Come yeah. with us. And then you follow the stranger to a second location. Yeah. Do you follow him to a van with a little round window <laughs> in the back? <laughs> this has been covered over with a black plastic bag. Yeah. Uh, that got dark. It did. So the the big thing they're looking for, though, the money question is, would you recommend this movie to a friend? That's the one thing they want to know, and that is where you're going to get your overall score that they really are going to hone in on. Right, and they want to know that so bad that if so you bad. don't say, I definitely would, yeah, they don't even count that. Yeah, you can say like, oh, yeah, maybe, probably, nope. So a movie, a movie gets a score at the end, and it's based apparently exclusively on whether or not you said you would definitely recommend the movie to a friend. Yeah, out of 100 people, they will score that. So, yeah, or out of a, how, however many people. But, for example, out of 100, yeah. if um, 60 people say that, yeah, I, I guess I would recommend it to a friend, and 40 people say that they definitely would, that movie got a score of 40. Terrible. Not even like a, like you can't even take into account that, yeah, probably. Yeah. You have to say you definitely would recommend it to a friend to get a point for that movie. Yeah, and they said in this article, I'm sure there's a, Huge caveats on a sliding scale, but uh, and anything over eighty, 
they think they're in pretty decent shape. I would guess. Um, 80%, a low B average. They've been which releasing really says a, lot. a lot less than 80s <laughs> lately, if you ask me. Except, well, of course, for Mad Max. It, it and, makes you, and Ex Machina. That was a pretty oh, great man, movie, that too. Was so good. Um, they ask in this article, though, it makes you wonder, like, when you, when a train wreck of a movie comes out, mm-hmm. like, what happened? Um, did they focus group it? Did they test screen it? Did they ignore it? Yeah. Like, what, what, how does that thing get released? Is the question. Are you, are you asking me? Yeah. Well, I mean, no. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I'm you know? not the one who's been to one of these test screenings. <laughs> no, it does make you wonder, though. Like they it, probably didn't unsalvageable. They didn't screen it, or the um, the people who had um, edit rights didn't care to listen. But this this article keeps picking on glitter, which seems mean because there's a lot of stinkers out there. Yeah, apparently, but- Human Centipede Three has the. I think it came out recently. Is this the one in prison? I don't know. I think it's in I've only seen the first like one. hundreds of people. Prisoners. Human centipedes. Yeah, uh, it, it has the lowest Metacritic score of all time. Really? <laughs> you saw the first one? Yeah. Have you seen it? No, dude. It's definitely worth seeing. Really? Yeah. I just think I get it just by seeing the trailer. You would? Uh, no, no. I mean, there's no real surprises beyond yeah, yeah what sure. you've seen in the trailer, but um, it, it's not even appreciating it in an ironic way. Even taking it on its own terms, you're kind of like, it's worth seeing at least once. Like, campy disturbing? or Yeah. Okay. But not not like, um, not like hostile, campy disturbing. Have you seen Hostile? Yeah, I didn't think that was very campy. You, it was just straight up disturbing? Yeah. This one, arty disturbing. Yeah. The guy was definitely going for an arty bent, despite the premise of the movie. All right. But yeah, there's some disturbing stuff. I'm curious to see if that guy has anything left in his bag of tricks because you can only go mouth to butt for so long. <laughs> what's um, what's campy disturbing? Give me an example of that. Then. Oh, I think um, like a like a reanimator type of thing. Oh yeah, okay, I see. Yeah, Hostel's not campy disturbing. No, <laughs> reanimator definitely is. Um, can we talk about Tom Cruise for a minute? And how obnoxious this move was. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he really believed in the, the way the editing process was already going. Yeah. He crashed his own test screening of Mission Impossible 3, allegedly, uh, and ran in there and was like, hey, everybody, I'm Tom Cruise. Let's high five each other. Yeah, Enjoy the movie. Give me a couch to jump on. I mean, can you believe that? That yes. totally negates the purpose of an audience screening. Right. Because everyone there, I'm sure there were a few people who were like, oh, I hate your guts, you weirdo. But the rest of the people are like, oh, my God, Tom Cruise just came into the very test screening. Yeah. And like, they probably didn't feel good about writing negative comments. Right. You know? Uh, he Which might is why still he did be it. here. He might want to, like, hang out with me after this, and I want to <laughs> be able to tell him that I gave him high marks. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he did that, actually. Yeah, I can, too. Um, so oh, if, by the way, yes. also, there is a really interesting long-form article in LA Weekly from about a year ago called How YouTube and Internet Journalism Destroyed Tom Cruise, Our Last Real Movie Star. And it's it, it, it it's not an apologist's view, but it, it definitely defends him against a lot of... Um, it's, it's just read it. I, I'm still a fan of his acting in most cases. Like that Edge of Tomorrow movie was terrific. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. And, I've uh, heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah, it was really good. But like, no, it, I can still watch his movies and separate that from the wacko in real life. This is um, 
Yes, this is defending his acting as well, but it's defending his that public perception of him as being a wacko. Yeah. I'll and it, it basically like really kind of pulls apart like all the layers and you're like, oh yeah, like it really goes to town stressing that he never jumped up and down on the couch, right? He just jumped up on the couch. Exactly. <laughs> but they go to great lengths to point out that that is not the same thing as just offhandedly saying, oh yeah, he jumped up and down on that couch like he was crazy. Yeah. No, he jumped up on the couch once and then stepped down or something like that. So it's a really great article. Really interesting because- He's just been like kicked around for so long now that it's really, it's almost surprising to see somebody step up. Not as like a crusader on behalf of Tom Cruise, but just more to be like, everybody put your knives away. Well, I think the knives are out not just because like, oh, he's a Scientologist and people think that's weird. It's like when you dig down into Scientology and find out the things that he abides by, like the slave labor Mm. to decorate his cars and to wash his truck and, you know. That, that makes you kind of not a good person, you know? Yeah. I see what you mean. <laughs> like, that's beyond like, oh, th- that's just a strange religion. That's like, people are being paid 15 cents an hour to take care of me. Oh, if they're being paid, that's not slavery. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. Um, what was the, what's the name of the, was it an HBO documentary? Going called, Clear. Going Clear. Yeah, based on the book, Going Clear. Uh, I saw the guy um, who wrote the book, Come Speak. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That Alex guy. Alex something, I think. I don't remember his name, but like, I mean, how, whatever you think of his book yeah. or his journalism, that guy had brass ones. Oh, really? He's the one who did it. He's the one who went after Scientology when no one else would touch it. Oh, yeah. He's the guy who did. And apparently, five million lawyers read that book before it was ever published. I think HBO supposedly had like a hundred attorneys when they went to adapt it as a documentary. Yeah. And this is after it had already been vetted by all of the lawyers in <laughs> yeah. the book publishing world, too. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's a great book. All right. Let's take another break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about some of the more famous examples of uh, movies that have been changed due to audience screenings. This is going to be so good. So Chuck, there's um, there's some legendary changes to movies that have been made over the years. Like we mentioned, uh, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, good. That was not a change actually, but right. like a test audience suggested it be taken out somewhere over the rainbow. Apparently, um, also very famously, James Bond's movie uh, License to Kill. Yeah was originally called License Revoked. (laughs) And even after all the promotional material posters have been made, they changed the name Uh because American test audiences were like, I don't understand what the title means. Like, his driver's license was revoked? (laughs) Yeah. And they were serious. Yeah. It is a weird... I mean, it sounds like a a Queen Latifah comedy. (laughs) License Revoked. You know, like where she's a bus school, sassy school bus driver. And And the the K and the R are backwards (laughs) or something like that in the poster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she's a sassy bus driver. <laughs> Pretty Woman, the movie, the saccharine feel-good movie from Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. Apparently not started out as saccharine. No, uh, this is hysterical to me. It was originally titled 3,000 based on the amount of money it cost to hire a hooker for a week. <laughs> sure that one like made no sense. Yeah, apparently they changed the name not because of the test audience, but because the execs were like, it sounds too science fiction-y. 
And they were yeah, right. They were right. Pretty Woman is a much better title for sure. that for that movie. Uh, and then apparently it was had a lot darker edge when it was uh, in script form, and it ended with uh, Richard Gere's character kicking Julia Roberts' character out of his car and driving away. <laughs> That's how it ended. Not very rom y No. No, well, it wasn't a rom-com. No, it was Gary Marshall. But see, what I want to know Wait, is... Wait, Gary Marshall, he's he's a rom com director? No, that's what I'm saying. He yeah. made that. Like, what I want to... It seems to me like all that would have changed with Gary Marshall, not like in test screenings. I, yes, I think that's what happened. And then the, the, what, the test audience, the hand they played was that they're like, you need to change that ending. Okay, gotcha. They need to get together. Right. Um, Fatal Attraction, famously changed. Yeah, so the ending of Fatal Attraction apparently has Glenn Close, uh, Glenn Close, who's Michael Douglas's former one night stand turned stalker, mm-hmm. um, killing herself, slitting her own throat. Yeah, pretty good. With ending. a knife with Michael Douglas's fingerprints on it, and then Michael Douglas is arrested for her murder. Yeah, and like it's supposed to, they don't show trials and things, but like ends with him right. going to prison. Yeah. And that's a great ending. Glenn Close loved it. Mm-hmm. She was very sad when audiences were like, nope, we hate this character so much. Like, she has to be killed off. She can't kill herself. Somebody has to kill her. Yeah. And just for good measure, make it the, the wife. Well, that makes sense because I think people people weren't rooting for Michael Douglas in that movie either because he was such a jerk. Right. Um, toyed with this woman, left her. Yeah. Had this great wife at home and kid. Right. So people, I think they said, you know what? would go over the top is if the only sympathetic character in this movie, right. which is Ann Archer, yeah. is the one who does it. Right. And it was effective. I'll give it to him. Yeah. But apparently Glenn Close was like the original ending was way better. Yeah. She washed her hands of it. Did you ever see Scott Pilgrim versus the world? No. Very, and I'm, I like Michael Cera. It's a good flick. Um, the original ending of that one had him, uh, had his character... Ending up with his uh, his love interest, um, Knives Chow, played by Ellen Wong, instead of his dream girl, Ramona Flowers. And um, the test audiences didn't like that and said, basically, this guy spent the whole movie annoyed by this girlfriend and pining for this other girl and defeating her evil ex-boyfriends. Right. He, he can't just not end up with her at the end. It's very anticlimactic. So they said... All right, we'll change it. And that's how it was in the graphic novel, too. So I don't yeah, know why they changed it to begin with. Who knows? So People they went back to the original ending yeah. that it was a, of the material it was adapted from. That's right. Yeah. Uh, pretty in Pink? Yeah, this one's pretty famous, too. Like yeah. I, I'd heard this many, many years ago that originally they had Molly Ringwald ending up with John Cryer. Yeah, with Ducky. Rather than Blaine, yeah. Andrew McCarthy. Which, by the way... Saw a weekend at Bernie's again <laughs> recently. It's uh no, it's not that bad, really. Yeah, it's very thin. Well, it's, it's, it's one it's extended one joke. joke. Yeah, um, but, but boy, they take it in so many directions. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny, and um, it's amazing how young Jonathan Silverman yeah. and Andrew McCarthy look. <laughs> I mean, young. Yeah, and the guy who played Bernie, who's like, I don't think ever did anything else. Did no, he? I never saw him do anything else. He threw out the ball at like a Los Angeles Dodgers game or really? San Francisco Giants game or in something 1987? like that. In 1987? Yeah. Interesting. No, no. Like last season. Really? I don't remember the reason why, but it was like he's, been, <laughs> he's been working that 
that character for a long time. Do you know what would have been genius if they would have had Silverman and McCarthy out there, like ha- grabbing his arm yeah. and throwing the ball for him as if he were dead? It would have been great. That would have been pretty good. I think they call that meta these days. Yeah, they do. <laughs> or meta's already out. That was like so two years ago. <laughs> you know, uh, twenty-eight days later, you saw that one, right? Yep. Uh, that one ends uh, with Jim's uh, Cillian Murphy's character um, dying in the original ending, and his people who are going to rescue him just like going back out to fight the zombies again. Right, and but audiences he's dead. were like, "No, that stinks. I love this guy." Yeah, so they he recovers. Yeah, doesn't it end in like a field or a meadow? Or yeah, they're like romping like in the field, and I think they see a plane. I'm sure Danny Boyle was like, oh, you want a happy ending? Here, yeah. I'll give you your happy, stupid <laughs> ending. Here's your stupid ending. Choke on it, you stupid audience. I like the ending, though. I don't, I like both. I don't mind a happy ending when it's done well, but I also like dark endings. Yeah. You know, one of the, uh, it doesn't have to be one or the other. What about the opposite? Dark beginnings and, and undark beginnings, like with, um, <laughs> Sunset Boulevard. All right. Go ahead and break it down. I don't know that one. Oh, Sun- have you ever seen Sunset Boulevard? No, that's on my list. It's a classic movie for sure. a reason. It's a truly great movie. But apparently, at the beginning of it, originally, they had uh, Bill Holden's corpse, the character he plays corpse, talking to other corpses in the morgue, explaining how he got there. Oh, wow. And audiences were like, is this a comedy? Like, what what is going on here? And apparently, a lot of people walked out, and Billy Wilder, the director, was there. Yeah. And some lady told him to his face that it was a steaming pile <laughs> and maybe didn't know it was him or something like that. But the, the, uh, the, the legend goes that she told them to his face, like, this is terrible. And it's so a steaming pile. He reshot the, the beginning to where it's Bill Holden's corpse, but it's a voiceover and it's, he's not talking to other corpses in the morgue. But it's not a comedy, right? Not at all. I, maybe because it was Billy Wilder, people had an expectation. Yeah, and I mean, there's some parts that you wonder, like, did he mean that to be, like, kind of funny, like, in a really dark way? Maybe. Yeah, it's quite possible, but that is a great I know, I movie. I need to see that. I love Billy Wilder. You should watch it, like, tonight. doesn't matter the mood you're in. It doesn't matter what you got going on. Just, you could watch Sunset Boulevard and be like, this is a great movie. Okay. Um, Heathers. Did you see Heathers? Mm-hmm. Um, the regular ending, oh, I'm sorry, the... Yeah, the, the ending they went with was uh, Christian Slater's character um, wants to blow up the school gymnasium during right. a basketball game. Yeah. And Veronica, uh, what's her face, is Winona Ryder's character, right. shoots him dead, stops it, and ends up bonding with the uh, the outcast girl. Yes. Um, in the original ending and the script, uh, I don't think this was an – I don't think it was shot, but um, – she kills Christian Slater's character, straps the bomb to herself, and blows up the school, and everyone has prom in heaven. And, like, everybody gets along. The nerds and the geeks are all, like, living in harmony. Huh. Yeah. Not bad. You're like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> uh, Blade Runner? Perhaps the most famous changed ending of all time. I had not heard that. Yes, you know, the original ending of Blade Runner was very dark, mm-hmm. and that's the one that ended up in the director's cut, uh, Ridley Scott's director's cut. What was that ending? Basically, that, that Harrison Ford is going to die, and well, that Rachel Ward is going to die, because mm-hmm. replicants have expiration dates, mm-hmm. and is Harrison Ford a replicant or not? And oh, it, it leaves it open. 
I'm pretty sure the director's cut leaves it ambiguous. Uh-huh. Even though I think Ridley Scott came out years later and said, yeah, he is a replicant. So in the, in the audience tested version, he turns to the camera and says directly to the audience, <laughs> nope, I'm not a replicant. Not the quite. End. But they, all that terrible voiceover narration was added, you know, in the non-director's cut. And they had the happy ending with, um, infamous blue sky shot, the only blue sky and the whole movie mm-hmm. was them like driving down the road at the end and explaining via voiceover that well, not all replicants have an expiration date. Oh, You're special, so you don't have one. Wow. So we can just live together in harmony. And I'll that Philip K. Dick rolled over <laughs> in his grave for Probably that. so. But that uh, shot of the only blue sky wasn't even from that movie. It was pulled from outtakes of The Shining, the beginning oh, really? car scene in The Shining when they're driving up the road. Oh, wow. So, uh, wow. Yeah, Blade Runner really screwed that one up. And really, Scott, of course, was he was not so happy about that. I can imagine he makes this masterpiece, and then somebody tacks on outtakes from the Shining. Yeah, weird, bad. Uh, you got anything else? Nope. Okay, I don't either. We could probably do this for a while though, because there's plenty of other movies that were changed thanks to audiences. But if you are ever in a line at a movie theater and mm-hmm. somebody trustworthy seeming comes up to you and asks you if you want to be in a test audience, give it a shot. Yeah, and a big thanks to Mental Floss for all uh, mm-hmm. a lot of that list stuff came from one of their articles. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that's all I got. And if you want to know more about audience testing, type those words in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said that, it's time for Listener Mail. Uh, I'm going to call this Oceans Are Cool If I Pay Attention. Um, hey, guys, love the show. I used to listen every day when I rode the trains from Brooklyn into Manhattan to work. Uh, but recently I started to work in Brooklyn close enough for me to bike to so I don't ride trains anymore. There are pros and cons to that. On one hand, I save over $110 a month in Metro card fees. Don't have to wait for trains, which adds another 20 minutes to the uh, Google Map travel times. On the downside, when it rains, I still have to bike to work, uh, although I am learning to love that. And the other con is that I don't have time to listen to you guys as much since it's uh, very detailed and paying attention is key if I want to enjoy the show and I need to keep my thoughts on the road. Um, my commute is also uh, down to 15 minutes, which doesn't help much either. I need to reconcile this, fellas. This morning, I tried to listen to the Oceans episode while doing some work on my computer. It wasn't long before I knew I'd missed something critical. At some point, riptides were defined and laddered up to equatorial winds, a connection I recall from taking oceanography in high school, but I did not understand when I wasn't paying attention this morning. Uh, when I used to listen on the train, the show had my undivided attention. Now I'm trying to find a new time to listen. Maybe I'll save up shows and binge them on a nice long bike ride. And that is from Andrew uh, Negroche. N-I-G-R-O-S-H. Negroche? Negroche? Something like that. Interesting. I've never heard that name. Well, thanks a lot, Andrew. We appreciate you getting in touch with us. We hope you uh, figure this out. This sounds like a terrible conundrum. Maybe get a new job that requires you to further away. Yeah. Yeah. Go work in uh, Vermont. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Problem solved. Uh, If you have a problem that you want Chuck and I to solve for you, like we just did for Andrew, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. (laughs) 